Cage and I have a, a ritual now. Twice a day, we watch a Seinfeld episode, and the sad thing is we're getting to the end Ooh. and trying to pick what our next series is going to be. Hmm. And so I'm leaning towards uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Hmm. Yeah. You know, he there's a lot of funny, funny, crazy stuff in that that he has, he has never seen any of that, right? Malcolm, is that with... Uh Bob Crandon. Breaking, yeah. Yeah. Bruce Cranston. Bob Crandon. Bob Crandon. <laughs> Brian Cranston. <laughs> Brian Cranston, there you go. So. I think it was with Bob's Pat Sachek. Cousin. Bob's his cousin. Pat Sachek? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with Han Solo. <laughs> All right, let's open an order prayer. Let's <laughs> 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 Yeah, and what word is that? Why is it just a word of prayer? One word. Let's open with a sentence of prayer. Shema. (laughs) I'm your host, Christopher Cass. And I'm your other host, Ronnie Marriott. And this is Crazy Pastors. Cue the music. Snoop Dogg. Today's episode is entitled, The Narcissistic Pastor. Why are you looking at me? Well, I'm glad you're here. I have a letter to Willis? read. Okay. I have a letter to read to you. Oh. No. Hey, today, obviously, we've got a lot of things going on in the world today that uh, There's a are, few. are kind of highlighting the narcissistic pastor. And so from the Mars Hill podcast, the stuff that Julie Royce is doing, there's tons of these failure instances. And so a few months ago, our staff read a book together. It is Lead by Paul David Tripp. I thought it said lead. I'm sorry. That was my bad. <laughs> but it is one of the best soul care for pastor books that I've read. Matter of fact, it's now become mandatory for our lead team, at least, and yes. probably the rest of our staff. Hopefully, residents will all read it as well. I have a copy right here with me. It, yes. I carry it with me man, always. I, I heard the spine crack as you opened it. Did you? I did. Uh, it's my second edition. Oh, okay. But I want to kind of review the book a little bit, and we're going to chase a couple rabbits as we review the book, because I do have a few things that I need to get off my chest, Ronnie. So I'm so glad we're this all here. This is the right place for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to so, our global audience. Hey, let me, let, me give you, let me give you a quick summary of the book. I wrote this. Every time I read a book, uh, of course, I journal it. It's all in lots, we of, know, lots of notes. We know, we know, we know. But I always start off with a summary of the book because yes. I, I think posthumously someone's going to read these things and they're going to want to know what in the world, I, why did I write stuff about this Post book? Post what? Yeah, after I'm dead. I think it's hummus. <laughs> Post hummusly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a miracle you didn't become a lawyer, Ronnie. Uh, I'm so glad that you didn't study the Vulgate because you would have failed in the Latin. Okay, so <laughs> this is uh, I wrote that this is an excellent book on the soul of a leader. Uh, while many authors have done books on character, this particular book is much deeper and richer from a spiritual and soul care perspective. And again, it's a mandatory read for our pastors. So with that in mind, I thought, Ronnie, you and I could just dive into a couple of what we felt were key thoughts from the book. Yes. And again, all credit goes to Paul David Tripp on this, right? Yeah. These are not our ideas, although no. when they are, we will say so. But yeah. But when we quote, we will quote. And mm. he, he wrote a great book. Yeah. Ten principles that he lists here. Oh, there are ten? There are ten. Principles. But there's 12 chapters. Does that mean the last two chapters aren't that good? Um, well, I'm sorry. There are 12 I'm, principles here. My hand was blocking the last two. <laughs> wow. I got to get new glasses. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was genius. 
Hey, uh, in all seriousness, let me start with a piece of scripture that has really impacted me over the last several months. This is, it's become a rallying cry in my own private devotions as I'm thinking about the meetings that I'm doing and the things that I'm, decisions I'm having to make. This is from 2 Samuel chapter 23. And, you know, the, the title of this is, is it begins, The Last Words of David, right? So, He's at the end of his life. Last words are always important. They generally are important, right? Powerful and important. And this is what he says, and I'm skipping the first sentence in three and going to the second part of it. When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless day, like rain that makes the grass to sprout from the earth. And the reason that's so significant to me is because, honestly, Ronnie, uh, we've talked about in other podcasts, this whole issue of being professionals versus being monks, going back to Piper's book. We did. Right? I am so convicted that our attitudes have to be of such grace and mercy in our leadership, of such humility. It really... I'm a, I mean, we've all done personality profiles. Those on our team know that I score high on the arrogance meter and, uh, and domineering and all yeah, those kinds of things. Yeah, you made us put that in our office. Yeah, that, my sign is up, you know, <laughs> head your arrogance. But the reality is it's something that's in my nature that I have to fight constantly. And my hope and desire is to be like water that causes the grass to grow. Yes. And coming out of a dark, cold night when that sun, if you've ever gone camping and you're freezing in your tent and that sun peeks over the horizon and it fills you with joy knowing it's It's all going to be okay. you survived the night. (laughs) That is what leaders should be. Yeah. And that's what David is saying here. Yeah. And so it really hurts me personally because of our profession as pastors. Mm Mm-hmm. When pastors do not lead that way, and they lead with brashness and rashness and arrogance. Yes. So, anyway, that's kind of the topic of the day. Okay. Any thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, for our global well, audience, yeah. Ronnie did not have a whole Sorry. lot of prep on this, so yeah. I think somewhere in no, his back of his I mind, did. he's wondering, what is I Christopher going to say about me today? I was just thinking of last words, and I was forcing it. Enough to hear my grandmother's last words, and I'll never forget them. Close the door, I'm pooping. So that was <laughs> <laughs> wow. I thought you were going to go with. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with. <laughs> no, that was it, and that was it. So. <laughs> Oh, so good. I had to get that out because that was in my head. I couldn't, I couldn't think of the 10 principles from the book. Uh, Add that to the blooper reel. Uh, you were sounding so serious. I had to break that. Sorry. Wow. I, Where were we? Oh, that was great content. <laughs> All right. So one of the, one of the questions. One of the. One of the questions from the book, Ronnie, yes. that I wrote down is just my my note, not from d- a direct quote. But do we truly value planning, scheduling, and goals over people? Ooh. And then the follow-up question, prove it to me. Yeah, it's a great statement, but do we live that out? So, yeah, that's a tough one, really. You know. Well, that's the thing. We, we would all, I think, I mean, if you have any faith in Christ, you're going to say that's true. Yeah. yeah. You're going to say, no, 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 people are more. Especially working on church staff. 
but it, but it's really hard to accomplish, and it you ha- fight that tension all the time. I remember early on, you know, we have a board of trustees here, and uh, at some point, you know, we'll talk some more on yes, that's our, and stuff. our leader board, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our trustees are our board of governance here, right? And I remember, I'm mean, this five years ago. At some point, though, we had said the we, we threw out the question: if our board meeting looks no different than a corporate board meeting, yeah, then what in the world are we doing? Yeah. We're a church. This is a spiritual body. These meetings that we have need to have a spiritual influence to them and a focus. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, interesting ministry, uh, people over stuff, you know, our value statement. Well, yeah. But the truth is, and sometimes people just get in the way. And so even within that statement, there's this, that you always have the drainers. And, and every ministry, every church has them, the people that is very needy. I mean, we're all needy, but these people are always needy. They never seem to get any better. And so there's that tendency, even as a pastor, like, well, I need to give them my undivided attention. No, really. I mean, if you've identified them as the drainers, give them a little bit of your attention. Right. But you are robbing those who are the encouragers, those who are the drivers, those who get what the ministry is all about. You're robbing them of valuable time if you spend too much time. I'm not saying ignore them totally. Or maybe reassign them to someone else. But so many times, I think, as a pastor, because most pastors are compassionate, they want to help, try to help that person. And it's just an endless cycle, you know? And so there's a, maybe even a guilt feeling to deal with it. Like, I can't give this person this time. When they call my ministry associate, tell them I'm not able to talk right now. Take a message. I'll get back to them later. And so it's still, you're still dealing with people, but you're dealing with them in a more difficult way which ties into the lead book, especially one of my favorite chapters when he talks about candor Mm. of having those kind of conversations, being realistic about who you are and people you deal with. Now, his focus here in principle mainly is towards the leaders, that they need to be open to that for people to share the truth and checks and balance. I'm hearing two sides of this, though, in in my own head. I'm hearing, and it was a great chapter on candor. Candor is your ability to listen to criticism yes, and to have people challenge you without fighting. Right. But the other side of it is that a pastor needs to have candid conversations with others as well. Yeah. And I think a pastor who is willing to receive that will become better at giving that. Okay. So what are the problems with that though? None of us like receiving that kind of criticism. No, I mean, it definitely requires humility and trust. And I'm not saying you let every staff member have that accessibility to you, but like, you're really good at criticizing me, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) And you take it so well. No, but I mean that there's got to be that little hub of a few folks that can come to you and say, man, you really, you really blew that one. And, and maybe there's a reason why, you know, digging a little deeper, but I can receive that when I know I trust that person and that person is for my best interest, but it also helps me if I have to have that conversation with someone because I know the pain of receiving that. Right. So I'm going to be a little more gentle in delivering that kind of a conversation. This is a really challenging concept, right? So you're saying that people need to have a relationship with trust in order for you to genuinely take criticism. So yeah. when you have, I don't know, someone walk into the church offices exclaiming that Satan has taken over the church and that our leadership's been controlled by the devil. Yeah. Maybe or maybe not you listen to them or? You know, I think maybe, no, you don't. You don't listen to that. I mean, you realize where that's coming from. That person probably is not your biggest fan anyway. Right. And there's been evidence of that prior to that kind of a conversation. But, you know, we talk about tough skin. 
Yeah. We talked about that before. And so that idea of just letting that stuff roll off, because you know where the source that it's coming from, that conversation is not to make things better, it's to damage you. Yeah. And you cannot pay attention to that. I remember back in Corpus, you preached a sermon that I'll never forget, and I wasn't even... I mean, I was several hundred miles away from you at that point. I don't even know why I listened to that particular sermon. Yeah. Uh, but you preached a message on hurt people, hurt people, yeah. blessed people, blessed people. Right. And so when you have someone that comes in with kind of this off-the-wall, almost ludicrous-type statements, right? Mm. I think one of the first responses we have to have as pastors, if people is more important than stuff, and yeah. if we are going to value people over performance and all these other things, is to recognize that person's hurting, Right. right. They're acting out and lashing out because they're hurt about something, and we need to minister to their hurt. Yeah, and that's a simple question, you know, hey, what's really going on? That's a pretty harsh statement. Why did you say that? And if they're like, no, this is my stance, you're wrong, well, then that's like, okay, well, conversation's over. You know, right. I'll be happy to let you talk to so-and-so. Well, I hear you. So far, what we've identified is that we have this issue in our country with narcissistic pastors. Yes. That, and I know it's really counterintuitive because a narcissistic pastor is one who is aggressively confident, but they're aggressively confident because they are hiding intense insecurity. Yeah. It's so yeah. weird. Well, in, as we were having this conversation, we're in, in the, the middle of the Russian-Ukraine war. Right. right? And so one of the great concern about Putin and if he's gone crazy and one of the things we hear about to indicate that might be the case is he's locked himself away, isolated from all except for a few advisors. So okay. The question is, who are those advisors? Are they just simple yes people? Right. They just tell him and eat, you know, egging him on to what he's doing? Or are they people that are really going to say, man, this is crazy what you're doing. You need to stop that. And so there's that tendency, I think, for every leader, because every leader has some insecurities. So I'm only going to surround myself with people who think my ideas are the greatest. Right. Or I realize for my health and growth to be a better leader, I need people in that will point, counterpoint me when I have a, a decision or an idea that may not be the best. On page 108 <laughs> of Tripp's book, he really says three things that I think are important. He This is a quote from him. Organizations okay. allow massive crash and burn in leaders by allowing three things. One is performance over character. Mm. Two is fear of confrontation. Good. And three is a selfish desire to avoid pain, which I think is kind of what we're talking about, yes. about having these perfectly. candid conversations. Yeah. The fear of confrontation is, but all of these are two ways. Yeah. Right. I just, let me ask you this. Why is it that so many pastors are fearful of confrontation? Well, I think majority of people are fear fearful of confrontation. So but just general humanity. I think, you know, I, I don't know the stats, but I would say most people are a little afraid of that. They want to avoid confrontation at all costs. But again, it comes back to this idea of a pastor uh, having insecurities and not wanting anyone to see that. I mean, there's mm. great stress. You are, you are the under shepherd of that flock and you need for people to respect you and follow you. And there's this thought, well, if they know that I'm vulnerable, if they think I have a chink in the armor, if I show they're not going to fall. If I show weakness, they're going to follow me. That's so anti-Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jesus allows us to, to be that open and honest because it brings healing and forgiveness or whatever it needs. And that's the way you become a stronger leader, not like acting like you have everything together. Hmm. But it also, it does open yourself up, yourself up. It is a little bit risky. So risky like, hey, maybe this guy, we don't want him to be our pastor exactly. anymore. Exactly. We've right. all heard horror stories of well, just recently, a 
pastor friend that admitted some struggles he was going through, and it did affect his leadership, and so the church fired him. Didn't mm. get him help. <laughs> didn't say, hey, we're going to rally behind you. Eh, we really need somebody who's stronger. So here we have the opposite approach to what the ARC church was doing with some of their pastors yeah. who had moral failure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's there's one story, and I'm so sorry good. I don't remember the. You go watch, go listen to the podcast, the Roy's Report latest episode. You can have the the details. But essentially, my paraphrase is: a lead pastor of a church gets up in front of those people on Sunday morning, says, "Hey, I've had an affair, and I'm sorry. Now let's get back to work." Yeah. <laughs> what? Let's put that behind us. Yeah. Of course yeah, that's he in did. the past. Of course that he happened did. yesterday. We're moving forward. I'm keeping my job. <clears throat> That's ludicrous. That is crazy. So we also have this selfish desire to avoid pain. I, I think that's the really this, the the second half of this confrontation thing. That there's a just a vast misconception that if I don't confront somebody, I'm doing it for selfish reasons because I don't want the pain. We feel like, oh, I'm allowing this person to avoid pain by not confronting him. Yeah. And so you act like that's the good thing, yeah, right? But the right. truth is it's really selfish because you don't want the pain of puking before you have that <laughs> meeting and confronting poor character, poor yeah. behavior. So let's just avoid it altogether and hope things get better. Right. Yeah. Which no we doubt. just can't do. You can't do you that. Know, God's work is way too important. Yeah. I'm going to spring something on you here. Okay. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. This is, uh, we talk about crazy pastors. Now, the preface is, I'm going to share a story, some quotes here. And before I call out another (laughs) pastor, I do, again, for our global audience, I want to confess that we are doing this podcast because we ourselves know we're a little bit crazy. Yes. Right? We all are. A little bit is a relative term. Yeah. It's a a spectrum. A spectrum. Yeah. (laughs) So here's the thing. A pastor in our region, I'm trying to protect the guilty here. And we, uh, we're from Florida. Yes, we are. <laughs> this is First Burleson, Florida. live from Miami. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, uh, a suburb of Miami. <laughs> uh, a, a pastor gets up on stage and he kind of goes off on a, a rabbit trail, a, a rant, if you will. He's trying to hire some people. And so the very first thing he does is he says, just publicly look into the camera Call me back, like exclamation point. Oh, wow. You're going, oh, that's, I thought he was just giving an update on a hiring process. To fill a position? That's how? Okay. He's telling people through the internet. That's a bad idea. To call me back. That is absolutely Which I have to say, if you have to say that, there's a reason they're not calling you back, (laughs) right? If Chuck Swindoll calls anybody in the nation and says, hey, I'd like to talk to you about a job at my campus, guess what? Every one of them is calling (laughs) Chuck Swindoll back. So if they aren't calling you, that might be yeah, an issue on your end. crazy. But as he goes on, it's about a 10-minute rant. Wow. So it's not light. Let mm. me give you a couple quotes. Now he's talking about another position in the church, and he says, I'm not making any judgments about it. I'm just telling you the way it is. Oh. We value the ministry of music in the life of our church. Mm. Right? We do. Good. Other people don't is the implication. Yeah. And most people out there, most men in in worship ministry now are just worship leaders. And here's the quote. The worship leader is responsible for Sunday morning, putting on a great show, wearing skinny jeans, and up here acting like a fool. Oh. That's why we're not going to hire one of those guys. Oh, really? <laughs> Dude, I got to tell wow. you. Wow. That's uh I'm not a worship pastor. Yeah. But I'm offended by that. Yeah. Well, and guess what? No one is going to want to work for that guy that's a I, worship pastor now. 
What in the world is someone thinking getting up on a Sunday morning? We are not in. The day has gone when what we say is private in a room. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, obviously, he knows that. He just yelled out to the internet looking for a position. So now he wants his words to be known across the world. Mm. So let let me ask you this. And I I mean, this this is, I'm talking to my friend and and my senior pastor. Or we, lead pastor. We attempt, former youth, yeah. Lead. Lead. We attempt to be a regional equipping church. We do. We do. And and we invest in that financially. I think it's a, it's a really cool thing for our people to know that when they give money to this church, it's not just to help this church. Right. We are helping other churches around us and around our state, typically not out of the state as of yet. Yeah. But we're, we're kingdom-minded. But we financially invest both our money with other churches as yep. well as our time. Yep. When does something like this cross a line? It demands a response from those that have position in the community. I mean, I honestly, Ronnie, I, I'm serious. I feel like yeah. you or I should call this guy and say, dude, what in the world do you think you're doing? Yeah. This makes us look bad. Mm. All of us. <laughs> well, it's true. People do lump Christians together, churches together. Wow. Especially in an area that can't wait to find out who this is. <laughs> I mean, for <laughs> I'm assuming I, we've worked together before. I, f- I feel that worship, we, golly, Southern Baptists have such tunnel vision on what worship is. And that's one of the reasons why I think every single person on the planet, I, let me say it a, a different way, I'm sorry. My grandma said this, and I, re- I really respected her for saying it. Every single high school student upon graduation should be forced to leave the country for two months yeah. and go experience world, the life in, somewhere else in the world. Yeah. Uh, Canada does not count. Uh, <laughs> And just this idea that, gosh, I've been all over the world and I've seen worship. And by the way, it's not led by an organ typically. Yeah. Is it not worship? Yeah. Is that, is, does that not honor the Lord? Does the Chinese church in caves in secret in the silence silently worship the Lord? Does that not glorify and honor him? Yeah. Yet for some reason, if it's not piano and organ, then it ain't worship. I don't understand. And by the way, in a suit, if that gives you any indicators. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's either coming from bitterness or from pain or just from flat out arrogance to make a statement like that. Yeah. I, and how many people did you just alienate to? How know? many people are never going to come to your church? Well, and no doubt. I mean, there are honestly worship leaders that, that it is all about them, just as like there are a lot of pastors that it's all about them. Well, okay. You so can't lump everybody into in the all same fairness, category. There's another church in our region. I don't want to say too much to give too many clues, but I remember this statement. I heard a senior pastor say that the vision for our church is to put on the greatest show that exists in our community on Sunday morning. The greatest show. The greatest show. Hmm. That it's going to be so captivating, so energetic, there's no theater around that can even come close to matching the awesomeness of what we're going to do on Sunday morning. Wow. He never said... (laughs) <laughs> people are going to hear the amazing word of God. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Jesus will be there. We yeah. have the best lights, the best sound system. We have the best musicians. We've got the best dancers, if that yeah. helps. Yeah. You know, whatever, right? Yeah. So there's balance to this. It's not just traditional or modern. Right. I value and respect Saddleback Church, where yeah. they have a hula service. They have a They have a, an African-American gospel service. Yeah. Right? They have... Modern, they have traditional, they've got a full-on heavy metal rock service. Yeah. I mean, so loud that you can't, I couldn't go in without earplugs. Yeah. And I like kind of loud music. And I don't see anything wrong with connecting to people 
in their culture or in a way that they connect to God. But when that becomes the, the ends to the means, that's when you get into statements like this guy. Well, I hope, I hope we'll be able to help out and be kind and gracious. Hey, one other thing, kind of a closing thought here. You and I have a mutual friend, Mr. Sean Bettis. Yes. Uh, currently serving at Coram Sup, Sean? Yeah, what's up, John? Uh, certainly curvy. <laughs> what did I just say? Currently curving. curving. He's got some nice curves. Yeah, he's, he's currently <laughs> serving in Nebraska, of Ooh, all places. Beautiful state. Home of the what? I don't Corn. Oh, okay. And so Betta said this uh, a, a while back that I really, <laughs> I really appreciated. And it really challenged me, though, when he said it. He said, never trust your leader 100%. And, that came uh, out of pain, though, didn't it? Well, of- yes, but it also comes out of wisdom. And sure. what he's really saying, and I, I would say this for every member of our church, for everybody that's in part of a church, yes. for everyone that is on a staff serving another pastor, don't ever say you trust your pastor 100%. I really do believe, because if you trust your pastor 100%, and that's a blind faith without question. So I really do think there should be about 10% that you question and you critically think through and you aren't afraid to ask for clarification and you just don't accept everything at carte blanche. Uh, I mean, I, I think I would word that differently because it seems because like... Because you're the senior pastor. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, like the opposite <laughs> of trust is not trusting, right? So it almost sounds like you okay. should not trust it. How would you well, shift I, it? I, I think the last statement you made, you should feel free to question. When you hear something you don't understand, don't agree with, don't know fully, you have every right. Paul invited his readers, hey, don't just believe it because I said it. Search it out for yourself. You have the Spirit of God living within you as I do, and he will reveal to you as he's revealed to me. So don't just take my word for it, which I think that's legit, but check these things out to be sure. It's not because you don't trust them. That's where maybe my hang-up is on that word, but it's okay, just like that, wisdom. That's, it's like fair. People, that's fair. We're not always going to get it 100%. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. As always, if you have a crazy pastor story to share or you would like us to discuss a specific topic, please email those to crazypastors at firstburleson.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Have we gotten any emails? No, we're not a single one. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.